Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Salzberg, co-hosting with WFIU News Bureau Chief, Sarah Whitmire. This week, we're talking about redevelopment of the IU Health Bloomington Hospital on West 2nd Street here in Bloomington. And we have uh, three guests with us today on the program. Mick Reneisen is here. Mick is the City of Bloomington Deputy Mayor and head staff member of the IU Hospital Reuse Committee. Isabel Piedmont-Smith is a city council member who represents District 5. That includes uh, a lot of this area. And Frank Norwicki Jr. is an O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs clinical assistant professor. You can join us on Twitter at Noon Edition and send us questions there. And you can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. We're doing the show over Zoom, so of course you can't call in with your questions today. So thank you all for being here. I think you've all been on the program before and we uh, we welcome you all back. So I wanna, I wanna start with Mick today. Mick Renizen, what is the current plan? I know we've had some, I, I know your consultants have, have given you a plan. You've talked to lots of people. So what are we looking at at this point? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to share with the community where we're at on this exciting project. It's very rarely in the city's history to have the opportunity to redevelop 24 acres in your downtown, acres that have been used for healthcare use for more than 100 years. So uh, we recognize this is a unique snapshot in time for our community, and we've been very, I think, purposeful and thoughtful about how we've approached the planning process to date would actually rewind to six years ago, the previous administration, when IU Health acknowledged that they were going to move from their site downtown and surprised us a bit six years ago. Instead of going west, they went east. Now we can all see the result of that project as it nears completion on the east side on 46, uh, near near and on the old golf course driving range, in fact, of uh, Indiana University. Back six years ago, Mayor Cruzan formed a hospital reuse committee to start exploring planning for the eventual move and redevelopment of the the hospital site. That committee exists today. Mayor Hamilton has expanded it to a group of over 30 individuals that have been guiding us along the way as we've taken a variety of uh, forms of public engagement to come up with the plan that we presented to the city council on November 18th and to the redevelopment commission uh, in January. And um, I'd point out that that 30-person committee chaired by former Senator Vi Simpson and, and Mayor Hamilton and includes Councilmember Piedmont Smith and others on it uh, has been instrumental and will be instrumental as the project develops over time. So these projects take a long time. We're six years into it and we have had two plans actually that will guide us in the future. The first was an urban land institute design process that we completed in 2018, and then the most recent plan that fleshes out a lot more detail about how the site can develop over time. Um, So I could continue to talk. You may want to bring others into the conversation. Uh, I'm happy to talk about some of the principles of the plan. There were, I guess maybe that's a good starting point and others can react as you see fit. Yeah, I think that would would be good, Mick. If you could just sort of give us um, just a, a real... I don't know, a 60,000-foot view of, of what you think will be there when it's all completed. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. That that's, that's a good starting point. So I think there are eight basic or nine basic principles that came out of the master planning process. Uh, we know our community believes that this should be a site for a variety of housing types. We certainly acknowledge within those ho- housing types, we need a lot of affordable workforce housing as our community is sorely lacking in that area. And even this project won't allow us to catch up on the demand, but it'll go 
potentially a long way to helping meet that need. Another principle is making sure we have a lively mix of uses that, that this uh, site in our near downtown not only brings in its own new ideas and new uh, engagement with our community, but it also folds into the surrounding neighborhoods, that it uh, supports the downtown as it's really very close to our uh, growing downtown, that the street grid should be reconnected. Right now, it's a big, massive block with a large, very large hospital on it, of course, and new streets should be connected and, and the fabric of those streets connect through to second street and first street and the surrounding neighborhoods. And those streets should be designed with a people first street design. Uh, we certainly want to maintain the neighborhood scale at the edges as it blends into Prospect Hill to the north and McDowell Gardens to the south. We want to add to the network of public spaces. This area sits uniquely near the Beeline Trail near Seminary Park and Building Trades Park and only a half a mile from the new Switchyard Park. And we want to anchor those surrounding areas um, to the new development site as well. We think that this place can create uh, health, civic life, learning, workforce initiatives, emphasize our great arts and cultural amenities in our community and facilitate and enable people to, to thrive in all of those areas in this new 24-acre site. And we want to be flexible because we cannot predict what the market will bring. Uh, certainly none of us predicted we'd be in this pandemic that's now pushing uh, almost a year. So we know that plans like this have to be flexible and adaptable in the future. And finally, we want to make sure that this, this site uh, is designed with a new standard of sustainability. You, again, get to do 24 acres in your near downtown. Only once every 100 years, you ought to do it right and with a forward focus on sustainability for the future. So those are the basic principles that came out of the public engagement steps in the master plan. All right. So council member, uh, Isabel Piedmont Smith, you are, you have always stayed in touch with constituents. And so you've always talked to a lot of people. So I want to ask you uh, this question from two perspectives, one from your perspective on the committee, and then two from someone who's talked to a lot of, you know, a lot of citizens of the community, I'm sure about this particular project. Um, you know, what are the strengths and are there any, any, any weaknesses that you would point to? Well, um, thank you uh, for the question. I think it's um, a wonderful opportunity this project presents. Um, and the, the strengths are many. I mean, <laughs> currently we have a site that is almost all uh, paved and uh, environmentally and also uh, socially, this is a great opportunity because um, the plan calls for a greenway that is um, that goes east-west through the middle of where the hospital sits now. And I think that's going to do uh, really improve our stormwater um, runoff problems that we've seen uh, in, in the Middle Gardens neighborhood where I live. Um, and also just be a real amenity uh, for people in this neighborhood and throughout the community. Um, a street that uh, will have um, residential housing on it and also uh, some commercial space uh, and lots of green areas to gather and to enjoy. So um, that's one big uh, positive. Uh, another one I'd like to mention is that um, for the streets that are contiguous to the site, so Rogers, Second Street, First Street, um, there, the proposal calls for um, positive changes to those streets to make them much more pedestrian and bicycle friendly. Uh, right now, I would not want to take my bike on West Second Street um, past uh, Rogers, but this would, the proposal is to create a dedicated bike lane that's separated from traffic, um, and the sidewalks would also be separated by a tree plot from traffic. Uh, put that street on a road diet to decrease speeds. And um, similar proposals are uh, part of the project on Rogers and on First Street. So um, those are just a few of the, the positive things I see coming out of this. Uh, as Mick mentioned, affordable housing is something we expect to see as well. And that's something that um, many, many of my constituents have called for. Uh, people across the city are, of course, affected by the high price of housing. And um, it's been recognized as, as a problem we need to address. So uh, this, this would certainly go a long way towards providing more options for people and at rates that they could afford. Um, the downside, I don't know. I, I would just say that um, people fear change. 
Um, so even uh, two years ago, before the consultants did their work, I was hearing from a lot of constituents who just uh, were worried about what might go in there. Um, you know, they didn't want a, a, a Walmart in there or a, a big um, shopping center or uh, student housing. Those are the things they did not want. Um, but I'm hearing positive feedback from about the plan we have now where it really um, kind of extends the McDowell Gardens neighborhood um, from the south and the Prospect Hill neighborhood from the north, kind of melds those together, some commercial space just on the busy corridor streets. Um, but I think people are getting comfortable with the plan as they see it now. So I would say the negative is just, you know, people don't know what change will bring. And so they're, they're uncertain about it. Um, I think the, the plan has just recently come out. So uh, people have also not had a lot of time to digest uh, right. what it says. Right. I, I, would, I would expect that one thing that you might hear, and I guess I would ask this to both you and Mick, um, for many years in this community, there was a, uh, one of the issues was needing more of an east-west corridor through the city. And this second street has been somewhat a corridor through the city. And now it sounds like the, this project would reduce its use as a, certainly for automobiles. Um, how does this fit into the trans, overall transportation plan that, and the, the motorized transportation as opposed to, you know, bicycle and pedestrian? I guess I would say that um, I don't think it's going to negatively impact the east-west corridor that 2nd Street is from the user's perspective uh, of an automobile. Um, because while, while Isabel correctly said that there's some road diet planning, th these roads were created decades ago with obviously before people first designed became more uh, more in line with the way we live and I believe in our community, certainly street design should be. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to constrict uh, automobile traffic. It's just going to better use the right of way to allow for all forms, all modes of, of transportation to occur. And while this destination may have a thousand units of housing on it at some point in time in the future, not all at once, but probably over a decade, this will build out. Um, it will probably not generate the same amount of traffic that the hospital did in and of itself. So different uses, different times of day, people will travel to and from their residences in this new area when it's developed out. Some of the multi-use uh, things that'll be there will be uh, designed so that you don't necessarily have to get in your car to drive to them. You can walk or take these new connectors that Isabel mentioned, the Greenway piece being one of those that'll connect you to the B line and to other areas. Um, so hopefully it won't really um, cut off that that necessary east-west arterial that 2nd Street has served. All right. Well, I want to bring Frank Narwicki in. He is with the um, IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs. So, Frank, when you think of a major redevelopment project like this one in a, in a downtown area, I mean, what are some of the key elements that you would want to pay attention to? And, you know, you can speak specifically to this one, this plan, or just in general for, you know, downtown redevelopment plans? The one thing, uh, Bob, I would say on this, uh, this plan and any plan, uh, it's going to be a multi-year and maybe a multi-administration type of project. And um, I think Isabel said about uh, some of the concerns about the neighbors, what's going to happen in the future. Um, I think we could all tell that, you know, with COVID change, is really hard for people to see and understand. Uh, I think from this perspective and this um, um, redevelopment plan, I have to compliment the city of Bloomington, um, the hospital and everyone involved. Uh, this is a very detailed plan for the area. I think from my perspective on this, uh, I've just recently started looking at the plan in detail and it is very impressive, a lot of information, um, was the amount of uh, public participation um, under COVID, which is a very difficult thing to do. I'm, I'm dealing with that with students right now. 
So I think it serves the neighborhood very, very well. I think the one thing that we will watch on this, and I think Mick has said a very good uh, item about the uh, connections between east-west, um, there's probably gonna be some concern in the community about uh, how this is gonna divert traffic maybe to Third Street. Um, but I, I would say with some people I know quite closely have uh, disagreed with me. Um, the example that the city had on a, on a diet on a roadway is close to where I live and on uh, East Third Street between College Mall Road and not College Mall, I'm sorry, at the, uh, from, the, from the mall out to 446. Um, we all thought that was gonna be a terrible bottleneck, but so far it has not been. And I think from a perspective that the city planning department with Scott Robinson at its head will actually watch the traffic patterns and actually monitor there on by the hospital area, the old hospital area on, on changes that may need to be tweaked in the future. All right, Sarah, you have a question, right? What is the timeline for this? I know we've talked about it being something that will happen over several years, but, but Mick, can you just talk about the estimates for when things will be done, when we'll start to see progress at the site, things like that? Sure, Sarah, thank you for the question. I'm sure a lot of people wanna know the answer to this one. And uh, I would start by saying it is a multi-phased, multi-year project. And we do believe the first logical phase and I suppose I should back up and say that IU Health is transferring certain portions of the 24 acre site over to the city uh, as they begin to declare them surplus. So we've gotten one small parcel, for example, on the uh, would be the east side of Rogers bounded by 2nd Street to the north, 1st Street to the south and the Beeline Trail to the east. So that section, we're starting to get parcels transferred over to us. Um, and, and we won't own all of that probably through the end of this year. Um, and then obviously the main hospital site, uh, which is the biggest part of the acreage, that will remain as a current hospital use until IU Health moves to the east side, which is still anticipated to be at the end of 2021. Because IU Health has to demolish that main parcel, uh, that building and remediate the site so that we can redevelop it. We're looking at probably all of 2022 for that activity to occur before we could actually start development on that large parcel. So what we believe we'll start with is actually designing the public infrastructure on that block that's to the east of the main hospital site now, east of Rogers. And we believe we can initiate the, uh, we'll go out with an RFI, RFQ, uh, request for information or request for qualifications for a civil engineering design team to start laying out the public infrastructure. That's streets, uh, bicycle lanes, um, utilities, gas lines, electric, all that will have to be reconfigured for the master plans anticipated development according to those, those potential uses that will happen. And so we'll, we'll attack that phase first, hopefully by getting uh, somebody on board to consult with us on the design services in the first two quarters of this year. Design will take somewhere between six to 10 months, and then potentially we could see some development in that quadrant um, next year. And that would make it ready for development by the private sector. And I think it's important to note that the city doesn't develop housing. The city doesn't build very many buildings unless they're public assets. Uh, rather, we're going to have to partner with the private sector and, and it won't be a master developed type of site. So in other words, it's not all gonna happen at once with one big major developer coming in, it's gonna happen piecemeal as we get the site turned over to us, as the infrastructure is put into place and as the market allows for the uses to start to materialize. Uh, so the first phase we believe is that Eastern block and we're very excited about that because that's the connection to the B-Line, that's that active multi-use area that will include housing, some retail, commercial, uh, and then as we go to the west of Rogers, remember that there's two major assets the city was allowed to consider keeping on that block. The parking garage, that's over 400 parking spaces, and the core administration building, which is the original hospital that was then attached to over decades. 
Um, and that building was just declared historic by uh, Councilmember Piedmont Smith and her colleagues uh, just this past Wednesday. And we actually think that's an asset that will help us attract some low-income housing tax credits for that particular building. Uh, but we'll be working very hard on a parallel track this year to see if we can't find some development partner that will help us with the core building. So the I next just, work and this year's work are kind of focusing on that, if you will. I just wanted to clarify, Mick, that uh, this uh, the straw poll vote in favor of designating the core building was uh, in a committee meeting. So we will have the final vote next week, I think. But it does look good that we <laughs> we seem to be all in favor of uh, the, the historic designation. Isabel, why is that important? Why is it important to keep that particular building? Well, it's um, a, a well-built, solid building. Uh, it is also has historic value, I think. Uh, it's from 1947. It's uh, in a, a late um, Art Deco style. And it's, I think it's Art Deco. I'm don't have my notes in front of me, but uh, it, it's a, it I think is valuable to keep as a reminder of the history of Bloomington Hospital in our community. And um, it's also uh, for sustainability sake, it's always best to reuse a building rather than tear down and build new. And uh, I know um, Mick has been through that building many times with uh, various engineers and architects and developers, and, and there is um, a potential there to reuse the building for other purposes. Um, hopefully, as Mick mentioned, uh, with the historic designation, there would be access to other um, financing options available. Uh, also, if it's affordable housing, uh, which um, could be a good option in that building, there would also be credits available uh, based on that plan. So I think... Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a historical part of our community. It's part of our history, and it's, uh, you know, Indiana limestone and well-designed, well-built. Okay. Um, so that's that's why right. I think it's good to, to keep it. Okay. Um, and what about the parking garage? Our community has had um, great debate about various parking garages being built. Uh, does it make sense, and why does it make sense to keep this one in place? Yeah, that's, that's a great question and, and an understandable question, and, and not just in terms of this particular redevelopment area, but just in general, as we watch our world change uh, in the future. So the, this, this particular structure has quite a bit of life left in it. We've done our assessments. We think it has probably 25 to 30 more years of, of life, um, if not longer than that, as it's been fairly well maintained by IU Health. Uh, we think it's in kind of an anchor spot that if this parking structure were removed, somebody else in the private sector would want to come and develop one anyway. And that didn't make a lot of sense to us for sustainability reasons, as well as why not uh, maximize the placement of it as a, a good location and the master plan consulting team concurred with that. So we think we can kind of wrap around the parking garage some uses to not let it stand out so much aesthetically, make it kind of blend into the surroundings better and it proved to be an asset more than a liability. All right. If you want to join us on the program today, we're talking about the redevelopment of the IU Health Bloomington Hospital site. You can send us your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Sarah? We got a question sent in, probably for you, Mick, but what's to prevent a new administration from coming in and deciding on new priorities years from now? Well, I would say that the, the biggest thing that would limit that would be the fact that the master plan uh, was developed over nine months with more than 700 unique uh, touch points with our community. And I suspect our community knowing them like I do would be pretty vocal if a new administration came in and blew up the previous proposal uh, without pretty sound reasoning for why that should change after as much public engagement as has been a part of this process. And I also want to mention uh, to Frank's comment earlier, Frank, thank you for acknowledging the challenge of public engagement in uh, the COVID crisis year that we've had. We were reluctant to at the beginning of the process, and we wondered how, uh, how it would help or hurt the the public engagement for this particular site. We had certainly residents concerned that it was going to be a limiter. In fact, it turned out to be a positive. We 
had more people participate in our floor forums. This is just my opinion here. We had over 200 in our first forum. City Hall holds 125 people. You don't see City Hall very often. I say City Hall by mean council chambers for a public meeting. You rarely see City Hall full. So Zoom rooms were full. Uh, we had more than 100 at least one other forum and close to 100 in two other forums. So I really felt like we were able to engage the public in a, in a unique and thoughtful way despite the pandemic. Uh, and we're all, of course, are now used to using Zoom to meet uh, way too frequently, but nonetheless, we have all learned how to adapt to that. If I may just jump in. If I could follow. Oh, sorry. If I could follow up real quickly, I'll let, uh, I know Isabel to go after me, but in my 15 years, I was actually, I worked at NDOT, Indiana Department of Transportation, project manager for the bridges down in Louisville. Uh, Louisville metro area is much, much bigger than what we have here in Bloomington. The largest meeting I ever had in, in the 15 years that I've been with the state was about 200 people. So um, I think Mick and, and the city has done an excellent job on public participation. And I just wanted to add um, as response to the listener's question, um, another uh, step that will be coming along pretty soon is to decide on the zoning of uh, the hospital site, which is currently medical zone, but it will be rezoned based on the plans. And so once uh, a portion is rezoned for a specific use or a set of uses, then another administration could not just, you know, go against that zoning. So that's another way that we can control uh, what happens there. You see this becoming kind of a, a neighborhood center sort of area? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it'll depend on uh, what commercial uses go in there. Uh, we would love to see a cafe or a pub or something. Um, I live just south of the site myself in McDowell Gardens neighborhood, and uh, we're always um, looking for, you know, other gathering spaces to have neighborhood meetings and to just chat with people. So I think this this certainly could fill that need. And I agree with Isabel. I think when we start first imagined this area and how we could repurpose it um, before the master plan was fully uh, fully engaged with the community, we we as I say the the hospital reuse committee and some city staff um, thought well you know it's part of what the mayor's coined the string of pearls. It's right next to the B line. It's um, its trades district is to the north, which are parked to the south. And, and the one piece in between those, it's not quite gotten launched yet is the convention center expansion. So if you could imagine a decade from now, downtown Bloomington won't look the same as it does today. And even two decades from now, downtown may actually feel, this hospital site may feel like it's in the downtown as Bloomington t- continues to grow. And I think that was one of the things that excited me about this is just to imagine a downtown uh, experience in Bloomington 20 or more years from now, and I hope I'm around long enough to experience it, to to how communities grow and expand. And this is just not that far from downtown, although I suspect many residents feel like it is today. I don't think it'll always feel that way. I think one other item, if I could follow up on that with from Mick, was that uh, for, the, uh, for the comment that came into us is that this is a high-profile project and I the city administration has taken a major step here I think there's going to be a strong desire uh, from the administration and from the neighbors uh, from the neighborhoods to actually go ahead and make progress on this project all right we've had a couple of questions come in so I'll, I'll just ask the first one and it says it's from Mary who says what will the protocols be during demolition construction? to avoid negative impacts on immediate neighbors in the two neighborhoods? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the the hospital, IU Health, will be responsible for the largest demolition phase, which is the, the hospital site proper. The ancillary sites that the city is going to get and turned over to us in parcels, the, there's much smaller structures on those sites, and they'll be Um, approached on a phased-in level, so you won't see the whole site demolished at the same time. You'll see it in phases on smaller scales. 
so that we can minimize disruption and quite frankly, so we can attack the project in more manageable bites, if you will. By the time the project develops, our consultants estimated about 180 to $200 million of investment in the site. Now that's not city dollars, that's private sector dollars to build the mixed use developments, the housing, the commercial, um, all the things that will eventually populate the site. So that, that'll be done over time. And yes, there will be disruption, but we'll try to minimize it uh, as best we can, knowing that IU Health has that responsibility for the biggest phase, which would be sometime next year. And I don't have the details as they have not yet announced how that demolition project is going to occur. I got a question from Eric saying regarding Third Street, I don't think it's been fully tested yet. We haven't seen how it works when IU football and basketball are filling their arenas. Um, so maybe make you can talk about how I guess it has been tested if, if, in, if it has. Oh, so the Third Street project was actually an, an INDOT, and Frank, Frank's world, he'll remember that. So that state highway is actually an INDOT project. Of course, the city did have the chance to influence the design and talk about the design. And we, we supported the way that INDOT wanted to do the road diet to provide for a safer uh, interaction with the intersections. Uh, Smith Road is a particularly problematic intersection, or it was, as traffic turned against the grain, if you will. If you were coming from the east side on Third Street and uh, you wanted to turn, if you were coming from east, from west to east, and you wanted to turn north on Smith Road, you had to fight two lanes of traffic coming at you. And it led to uh, quite a few negative interactions at that intersection. Now, with the dedicated turn lane, you have far less conflict there and at Park Ridge, um, two of the major intersections that, that cross without a, um, one with a stoplight, one without. Um, and we've, we, do, we have not been able to test, um, as, your, as your listeners suggested yet, what game day traffic will be like. But remember, we have six of those days a year uh, for football, and not everybody goes to the games all at the same time. So I believe, and I know engineers that designed this project at NDOT, along with our city engineers, feel like that the traffic counts will support and not bottleneck along 3rd Street with the new design. Yeah, and that's we're talking about the East Third Street. So, Mick, is this a similar design that you would anticipate for West Second Street? Well, it hasn't been designed yet, Bob. So, I think I think the principle of um, you know you have to allow for, and that was another part of the East Third Street project. The bicycle lanes um, have to take up part of what was once two lanes of traffic, automobile traffic, both ways. So obviously those lanes were shrunk to allow for those bicycle lanes uh, to occur. So something similar could be a part of the design for Second Street. It's a little bit more constrained um, on Second Street as the right-of-way is not the same width as Third. But uh, in principle, yes, you would assume that some similar treatments would occur on Second Street around the hospital that happened on East Third. All right. So I have to ask about this because... um, the term road diet has been thrown out here. It slips off the tongue very smoothly, but I've never heard it before. So, <laughs> Mick, Frank, is that something new in the planning world? No. It's, no. It's, <laughs> uh, it's been around for quite some time. And, and uh, the thing in the planning field is that we're going to a more pedestrian-friendly uh, setting uh, in urban areas trying to have a shorter distance for people to walk across it and start going across like five lanes of traffic, trying to narrow that down. And actually the city's done a good job of installing pedestrian islands uh, as well in some of those areas around campus and throughout the city. I'll give you an example of a recent one. Maybe it'll help because it's under construction right now. And I think a lot of people drive in this area for, um, for their various shopping needs on East uh, Morse Pike and College Mall Road at the Sarah Road intersection. So just south of the, um, just south and a little west of the theaters, the AMC Theater on College Mall Road, that intersection was very wide and almost impassable for pedestrians to get across or bicyclists. Uh, A recent improvement that's not quite finished yet is putting in um, islands, as Frank described, so that that length will allow for a pedestrian crossing to cross safely a shorter distance and then cross again a shorter distance and then maybe have to cross one more time instead of having to do it all at once with 
fast moving traffic. Uh, and that also connects in this particular improvement to um, an extended side path that goes all the way the length of Sarah Road down to the roundabout at, at Rogers and then goes further south. So it's connecting these links that have been created over time in our community and we're just filling in some gaps and then we're also increasing the pedestrian access to cross on some pretty wide intersections. So that's an example of a recent uh, project that includes a road diet. Okay, yeah, I've heard traffic calming and various other things, but the road diet uh, term was new to me. So I wanna uh, invite our listeners to send us their questions. They can, you can find us on Twitter at Noon Edition, and you can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So early in the program, Mick, you mentioned, um, I think you you used the term and exciting or vibrant um, plan for mix, a mix of uses. And so I, I want to ask you and, and Isabel, who were both on the committee about some of the ideas that uh, you know came forward, and if there if there are some, you know what what kind of mixed use ideas do you have other than, you know, uh, um, you know a lot of different housing ideas. Sure. Well, there'll there'll be some. Well, let's let's let me see if I can give a, a visual that will help you okay. and our listeners. So, if you went down. To Kirkwood during the pandemic, and you saw Kirkwood closed um, with tents in the street and merchants um, both delivering food and, and other um, supplies uh, out into the public right of way in that fashion. We think one of the streets where the existing hospital is now will be kind of that kind of a design where we can close it for festivals and and things along the nature like what we have with lotus downtown but instead of having to close the road and put up all these ugly barricades actually design the street to have bollards in it bollards are just barriers that that now we have on kirkwood that allow for that to happen when it's needed and and a lot easier way to set up a street for festivals or uh, any kind of public use that would obviously mean maybe not traffic at that time so th- that's one way is just to make it feel like more of a gathering space than uh, typically, you know, a street or some of our areas are designed now. And as Isabel mentioned, uh, you know, coffee shops and bookstores and um, art space, uh, whether that what kind we don't know, but we're, we're thinking that it could be a whole variety of things that make it a very vibrant sort of its own district, if you will. All right, Mick, another question we got for you. Um, Person says there are four public forums were promised in the hospital discussion phase, but only three happened. The final one was a watch only as part of the city council meeting where the master plan was presented. And then he goes on to say, because there was no chance for discussion or breakout room discussion, it was not a public forum. Will there be at least one more public meeting for such public discussion on the final plan? Well, there won't be another one. The master plan is done. We did um, at the November 18th forum for presentation, we did have council ask questions and, and anyone, we also referenced in that forum that the hospital, the project website that's still active, bloomingtonhospitalsite.com um, had all the materials on it. You could go into and look at the draft plan as it was as of November 18th and leave comments. And those comments were taken into account before the final master plan was completed. So no more forums, but um, but an opportunity, while a little non-traditional, I'll give you that, uh, we did give people the chance to, to go back in and look at the final master plan or at least the draft of it at that stage and weigh in um, with comments actually on the website. And I want to add also that um, the consultants did meet with McDowell Gardens neighborhood and Prospect Hill neighborhood um, last summer. So in addition to the forums that were open to everybody, there were um, some more specific gatherings for people who are more directly affected by the development. And I, I appreciated that. I know my neighbors did too. Well, one of the things I would offer to the listener that asked or anybody who's thinking is, you know, this this master plan, while done, has to be adaptable and flexible. I mentioned that at the beginning. 
And so as market conditions and, and things change in our society, it, it'll have to be reflective in whatever needs to change in the master plan. The master plan is just a guide. It's not something that you're gonna build exactly what the pictures in the master plan show. It's gonna have to deal with the real world that we live in. So as each potential project comes forward, it will have a public process that has to be reviewed by the planning staff, the plan commission, and, and in some cases, the city council. So there'll be ample opportunity for project and in, uh, input as each phase develops out and as each developer comes forward with a plan. So I, I hope people can accept it's not done, finished, never to be discussed or opened up again. It's a reference point for everything that's about to come. That's Deputy Mayor Mick Renizen. We also have uh, Council Member Isabel Piedmont-Smith and uh, IU faculty member Frank Nerwicki from SPIA. Isabel, I want to ask you this question. came in from uh, Thomas on our chat. He asks, how will we know that the development will be well prepared for climate change? Um, well, that is a good question. I think um, certainly the uh, environmental sustainability was a big part of the lens through which the report was written and the plan was written. Um, I think in the future, it'll also depend on who will actually buy parcels and develop them. And, you know, we need to choose partners who are forward thinking and uh, will, will consider climate change impacts and mitigation. I think I had mentioned earlier that um, the the new greenway through the center of the site east to west um, will uh, help with stormwater issues. I forgot to mention that it will include water features themselves. So there'll be not just um, per permeable, you know, grass or permeable pavers, but actually a stream that that runs through or is um, daylighted in certain parts of that. Greenway. So I think that that's another benefit as far as sustainability. Um, of course, it's it's a huge question. I mean, we have to think about, uh, you know, how many people are going to drive and how many people are going to um, be able to meet their needs uh, with within a, a, a small radius. Um, but I think the nature of this site being in the middle of Bloomington is already very helpful and much better, certainly than any kind of suburban development that could provide the equal amount of housing. Frank, I, I, I agree. I agree with Isabel on this. I think the, uh, the updated stormwater uh, drainage plan in this area will be uh, up to date with the, uh, with the recent technology advances that we've had. And I think the other thing the plan calls for, and we have to make sure it actually follows through is the, the green cover, uh, trying to get more uh, trees and other uh, areas and have less hard surfaces for temperature issues. And so the, the greening of this area will actually be a very beneficial item for the environment as well. And I would just piggyback onto both of those comments, which I agree with, in that th this is a really unique situation. The city's going to own these 24 acres. This is not a developer who's coming to the city that owns property and wants to develop it as they see fit and still would have to go through uh, city zoning and planning regulations uh, in that process, of course. But the city can just reject something that we don't think meets our goals, the goals for the plan or the goals for our community. And that's a very unique and much different position than normal. Mick, I remember early on in the process, there were there were some people that wanted to not um, not demolish the the old hospital building. Thought that reusing it in some way would be better. But I also remember at a meeting, um, one of the uh, one of the people who was on the committee uh, pointed out it was um, Lee from um, yeah Kreider from Kreider, uh, yeah, Lee Carmichael talked about how if you let that building stand empty for any period of time, it's still gonna cost a million dollars a year just to keep it running. So can you talk about the the, the um, decision to actually demolish it rather than try to repurpose it in some way? Yeah, I'd say that's the most common question, particularly as you go back in time from six years ago to present. 
was why can't we reuse it and then fill in the blank for how anybody would envision reusing it reusing it because we heard a million ideas uh, but really the answer it's very short and sweet and uh, sweet not sweet to those who don't want to hear this but IU Health insisted on the building had to be demolished it, it was not it was a negotiation that said that they said simply to the city that is not negotiable we will not allow the building to stand because we don't want it to be there 10 years from now still in its same state where it's an eyesore and unused by the community. They've had that experience in other cities and they just didn't want to repeat it. So it is a condition of our agreement to buy the property that we cannot use, repurpose the main hospital building. They are insistent upon that coming down and it's going to come down at their expense. Frank, when you, you've, uh, I'm sure, studied a lot of different communities. So can you talk about that issue that Mick just brought up? I mean, there, there have been places, I'm sure, that have tried to reuse big empty buildings downtown um is this consistent with the way that you think is a best practice well the 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 issue that mick uh, mentioned and i think bob you did as well was about maintaining the building until something comes in um in in my opinion this is from my professional uh, experience a hospital was not necessarily designed the best. Um, uh, they did what they had to do with the space they had, but it was very much a sprawling type of uh, building complex. And um, in areas where they try to repurpose a building, um, I had heard from conversations I was involved with way back at the beginning uh, with the hospital, with IU Health, is that they've had other examples and they they just did not want to have their name associated with a project that failed. And I think from my perspective, this has been a very positive uh, for, the, uh, for the city of Bloomington to make sure that um, that's, if it's torn down, it's going to be torn down and demolished. It's at the cost of the hospital, not of a developer. Um, so I think that's a, a major issue. Redevelopment happens all the time. Uh, the best plans are the ones that could actually be implemented. I think this one probably can be implemented. Isabel, from uh, the standpoint of the neighborhood and you know your representation of the neighborhood, Mick talked about the importance of the plan of just being flexible moving forward. What kind of input um, will you have and will the neighborhood have and would you expect it to have as things start to work out? Well, I think that um, the neighborhoods directly adjacent uh, should be at the top of the list when being informed about um, hearings in front of the plan commission for zoning changes. Uh, those, of course, would also go to the city council where there would be public engagement, I would expect. And uh, if the plan needs to be modified due to changes of, you know, economic or other conditions, then I would expect the administration to come back to the public and have um, public input onto that, into that uh, revision process. Are there things that, um, you know, would be non-starters and Mick, you can certainly weigh in here too. Things that would be non-starters you think with the community in terms of development in that area. Well, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, any kind of big box store or a mall or something that that would become a major commercial destination would not be welcomed at all by the neighbors. And the other thing is student housing. Um, the neighbors are are not would not like to have a big student apartment building next door, uh, both because of the size and because of the perception that students are going to be noisy. Mick, anything to add? No, I, I think Isabel is correct on both fronts. And I, and I think the master plan reflects that now, you know, telling a certain part of our population you can't rent here um, is always a challenge. But I think the design elements of the area really drive um, whether or not it really becomes a student destination um, or not. That doesn't mean just, just as I would suspect um, folks at the Kirkwood and CFC built property thought they probably wouldn't have students in that. They do because we've learned that students have uh, some wealth or their parents do. And 
obstacles of high, potentially higher rents are not always an obstacle for some people who send their kids to the university. Uh, nonetheless, we, we do not envision this as a student-centric development by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we do see market rate housing going into the site, whether in multifamily or duplexes or other ways as just a, just a combination of the types of housing that will per- occur on the site over time. Yeah, how are you? How will you make sure that there are some affordable or low-income housing units in that area? Yeah, that that is the the, the great question um, that we're addressing, and it's again goes back to the we we the city will own the land, so we the city can say to a developer, uh, you have a, a, a proposal that we want to help you with because it is going to create the product affordable housing or workforce housing that we want to see. Therefore, we, the city, through its redevelopment commission, can make the land deal, whatever that is, a sale of land or the leasing of land, uh, part of the subsidy that will be required for that kind of housing product. Um, so I think that's the biggest key. And then, of course, we have the other tools that are typically used, um, our housing development fund, the uh, CDBG and home grants, uh, tax credits, tax abatements. But the unique one in this development is owning the land and being able to control who gets on it and, and who identifies with the goals that are articulated in the master plan. All right. We have one minute to go. So, Frank, very quickly, we talked about people of people first street. Can you define that? Basically, the, the design uh, is actually pedestrian scale. Uh, sometimes we think about things from the from a landscape type of architecture and not really consider the individual. And with health issues, having people move more, all of this comes down to actually having uh, mixed use, having different types of homes, having smaller commercial areas to, to actually walk to is actually a pedestrian friendly type of situation. Okay, thank you. We are out of time. Yeah. I do want to share a website. Um, it's, let's see here. BloomingtonHospitalSite.com. You can go there for more information about any of these plans. So I want to thank our guests today, Frank Norwicki, Isabel Piedmont-Smith, and Mick Reneisen. And I want to thank uh, co-host Sarah Whitmire, producer Benta Boutier, and engineer John Bailey. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program is available at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Production support comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.